The American breakfast is usually defined as a healthy and filling meal at the beginning of each day. Usually, eggs and bacon and toast come to mind. Why? It's mostly due to an old English tradition where the gentries would eat a carb-loaded breakfast to gain energy before a big day of game. But on normal days, eggs and bacon take far too long. So many Americans look to a simple bowl of cereal. But why? Is breakfast cereal really as important as companies make it out to be? Are sugar-loaded, ready-to-eat cereals really part of a healthy breakfast, or is it all just a huge marketing scam? Estimated at $11.1 billion, the cereal industry has shown immense growth from its humble beginnings in the late 1800s. But as we scoop each bite, I doubt many of us are aware of its beginnings or where this delicious food might take us. Welcome to Spoonable Standpoint, the podcast where hosts Leo and Charlene dig into food culture. In this episode, we will be discussing the history of cereal, as well as how it came to be such an icon. Later, we'll discuss why cereal is so important to our mornings, or perhaps why they might not be. But what are the origins of this early morning tradition? In 1863, a religious man named James Caleb Jackson who ran a popular health spot in upstate New York, created a cereal that he thought was a cure for some illnesses. This cereal was graham flour baked into cakes, broken up, and baked again. But baking it made the cereal incredibly difficult to eat, so the consumer had to soak the cereal overnight in milk in order for it to soften. He called it, and sold it as, granula. In the long run, this cereal would not be a success. It wasn't until a decade later that John Harvey Kellogg, Another religious health spa owner in Michigan would remake Jackson's cereal. He called it granola. The pioneers of the breakfast cereal industry would be John Harvey Kellogg and his brother, W.K. Kellogg, who both started the Sanitas Food Company. At first, they sold their before-mentioned granola, but in 1894, they created, completely by accident, a wheat flake, which they called granos. This is considered to be the very first flake cereal which later became cornflakes when the wheat was replaced with corn in 1898. They at first only sold their granos to patients and ex-patients of their health spa, one of those patients being C.W. Post. Post would then go on to make grape nuts, a cereal similar to Kellogg's and Jackson's granola and granula. But in 1906, W.K. Kellogg didn't want to live under the shadow of his older brother John Harvey Kellogg, so he decided to leave Sanita's food company and start his own company, which he called Battle Creek Toasted Corn Flake Company, which sold, you guessed it, toasted cornflakes. To promote his cereal, he started a very strange ad campaign which told the reader that if you winked at your grocer, they would give you a free sample of cornflakes. This helped shoot the company to the top. The whole thing about winking at your grocer and getting a cup of cornflakes is a very, very weird and strange uh, ad campaign to run and a weird way to promote your product. But we have stuff like that nowadays in modern America, like how Wendy's and other fast food companies are having quote unquote like battles on the internet where they're like, no, the bacon eater is better than the Whopper. Um, And that's frankly, that's just as strange to me that like companies are becoming gigantic like memes even though they're like 
big like, corporate things. It's, it's, it's just strange. Yet, that advertising technique works. I'd see every few months or so a Wendy's or Denny's tweet go viral because of just how weird it is. And media outlets like BuzzFeed are already writing about these tweets, thus giving them even more recognition outside of the tweets themselves. Marketing techniques have definitely changed over time, but the weirdness still kind of stays. But back to history. The biggest problem that would arise in the following years would be, unsurprisingly, the name. Both brothers wanted to use Kellogg in their company name, but wanted the name to themselves. The winner of both legal battles, one ending in 1911 and the other in 1921, was W.K. Kellogg. He changed the name of his company to the Kellogg Cereal Company. During this time, he started selling more familiar cereals, like Allbran. But how did cereal become such a breakfast staple in America? It seems weird in hindsight that a measly bowl of cereal is now the standard, when the standard used to be a feast bigger than Thanksgiving. The answer, though seemingly complicated, is actually relatively simple like the meal itself. The key to this cultural shift was advertising. Over the years, cereal companies have used these three ingenious tactics in order to make their way into the minds and mealtimes of consumers. The first tactic used was advertising the cereals as healthy. In the beginning of cereal evolution, cereals were relatively healthy, solely because they were nothing more than chunks of fiber. But since there was little to no regulation on what companies could say about their product, companies made outrageous claims. For example, Grape nuts claimed on its box that nourishment from one pound of grape nuts could be the same that from 10 pounds of meat, wheat, oats, or bread. In one of its ads, it claimed that it can help customers stop drinking alcohol. This was a smart tactic because it instilled in the people's minds that eating cereal is just as good as eating a big breakfast and cheaper. But some people would have just liked to eat a big meal, but those took forever to make. In response, cereal companies instituted a second tactic, claims about ease of consumption. For example, in 1922, Washburn's Whole Wheat Flakes, which later became Wheaties, advertised almost exclusively that it was a four-star breakfast treat and that it had flavor, nourishment, vitamins, and economy, or in their words, a perfect food ready to eat. This was done by other sugary cereals when they first came out by saying that the cereal was pre-sugared and therefore you didn't have to sweeten it at all. And speaking of sugary cereals, let's discuss the third and final tactic. Mascots through television advertisements. The first TV mascots for a cereal were Handy, Dandy, and Candy, who were three bears promoting Sugar Crisp. They were later replaced by the Sugar Bear, but the mascots were here to stay. More and more mascots were introduced after this, most notably Tony the Tiger and the Lucky Charms Leprechaun, or pop culture icons. These advertising tactics were immensely effective since each of them were aimed at a specific part of the family. The health of it was aimed at the parents, the mascots were aimed at the children, and the convenience was aimed at the family as a whole. This is what made cereal a staple of the breakfast experience. But how has cereal left an impact on us? Personally, I've been eating cereal since I was a kid. Probably since I first started eating breakfast, most breakfasts since then have been cereal. We still have cereal in our house constantly. 
I probably have it once a day, whether or not it's in the morning or as a snack in the afternoon or something. And what I've realized is that I don't usually have like sugary cereals like Lucky Charms or Frosted Flakes or something. Even the things that I do eat are still pretty sweet, like Honey Nut Cheerios. I hate the regular Cheerios. They don't taste very good. They just taste like cardboard. But the, but the honey really brings out its deliciousness. And I eat like honey bunches of oats. That's similar. Like they're still pretty sweet. So even though I don't eat sugary cereals, I, I definitely gravitate towards sweeter cereals just because regular cereal tastes terrible. While I don't currently eat cereal anymore, I used to eat it quite a lot. And when I did, I'd always go for the really sweet ones. I'm talking about things like Crave and Crunchberry, stuff like that. It's basically a dessert. I wouldn't even consider it breakfast, really. But what's shocking to me is that those unhealthy cereals are the ones that are marketed toward children. And cereal companies spend hundreds of millions of dollars each year and about $300 million on advertising towards kids alone. And according to a study, cereal for children has around 85% more sugar, 65% less fiber, and 60% more sodium compared to adult cereals. And I find it really sad that although cereal itself isn't even the healthiest thing you could eat, they're still being loaded with more chocolate and sugar and less healthy things than ever before. Yeah, and going back to what you said before about it being advertised, like the super sugary ones being advertised at children, it seems so weird to me that we can do that. Like, in the United Kingdom, they have laws against that. On the BBC, you cannot air things or products that have a certain amount of sugar in it because advertising to children is the best way to advertise super sugary things, and it's not great for them at all. Most cereal has 85% more sugar than adult cereals. And it's also weird to me that those like super sugary cereals are in kind of the same category in the grocery store as cereals that are just like blocks of fiber, like Special K or something. There's such like a discrepancy in the range of cereals. Like they go from either like super healthy to like super unhealthy. And I kind of wonder why it's like that. What do you think? I think there's such a big discrepancy because cereal companies realize that they had to sell to a specific group of people. Like you have cereals aimed towards children, which are obviously more sugar packed and cereals aimed more towards adults that are usually more healthy. And cereal companies are being actually pretty aggressive with advertising toward children, as I mentioned before, but... I kind of wanted to go into the specifics of what exactly they're doing. For example, when I was growing up seeing all these cereals, a lot of them obviously would have commercials and slogans, like the Reese's cereal one and the Trix one. Like Whenever you heard that, that would automatically ring a bell. And of course, these advertisements were geared toward children, and they would immediately think of that. And another interesting thing is product placement in stores. I did a little bit of research into supermarket placement and what they do to try to get you to spend more or buy something specific and noticed that a lot of the times the more sugary cereals, especially the ones advertised toward children, are placed lower on the shelves, basically in the line of sight for children. And so of course you're going to have you know the kids begging their parents to buy them the new delicious looking chocolate filled cereals, which brings even more money and recognition. 
It's really interesting you bring up that they put the cereals pretty low. I know they did that with like candy bars and stuff. I didn't realize that that was cereal. That kind of makes sense. As, as a kid, I would always like being the cereal out with my mom. She'd be like, okay, we're going to get healthy cereal. And I'm like, I want Crave. It has chocolate and I love chocolate. Uh, <laughs> but for me, it wasn't only like those super sugary cereals. But for me, the thing that always got me, the thing that always like even still now when I'm shopping... Sometimes I still turn my mom and I'm like, uh, mom, can we get this cereal? Because this is, there's a cereal has like some sort of prize inside. And I think that's what really made the cereal market so perfect for kids and selling to kids. I remember one time I was with my grandparents and they got some cereal. I think it was like Lucky Charms or something. I'm not sure. And I'm pouring myself a bowl. And then all of a sudden I hear a, or I see a, a, a little like large white pill-shaped thing fall out and it was, it was wrapped in plastic and i was like what is this i checked in the box on the box it, it it said it had some sort of like star wars pen and i got like a stormtrooper one and i was so excited i was like and i can collect them all and they did a similar thing in the 50s quaker oats on some of the boxes if you were lucky enough you would get a deed of land for one square inch of land in uh, the yukon area of canada that is ingenious. I would have loved to own a square inch of land in <laughs> anywhere. I'd been like, yeah, that's right. I'm a landowner. What are you? Of course, that was the 50s. I wasn't alive in the 50s. But Minecraft and Kellogg's came together and they created a Creeper Crunch where they had a code where you can get a certain skin in Minecraft. And I remember they stopped selling it because it was limited edition. But I, I remember seeing that in stores and being like, like, like I don't play Minecraft that much, but oh, I, I really want that free thing. So I think the biggest thing that are drawing kids in nowadays and years back were mascots, as we said before, but definitely also like prizes. Anyone kills for that kind of prize. I definitely got to agree. I remember seeing this serial commercial that advertised not only the cereal but the fact that for a limited time it had a prize inside and I was like I want it imagine seeing imagine finishing off your cereal and seeing a little prize come out I mean honestly now that I look back the prize is probably nothing important but toward kids they they'd probably really enjoy it and I would have and I know you would have as well getting something free and a delicious sugar-packed cereal. I mean, come on, that it's an amazing deal. Another marketing tactic that cereal companies use that I would also like to mention is marketing as healthy. Now, of course, kids are going to be all gravitating toward the new delicious-sounding cereal, which may raise some concern for parents because they can be really unhealthy. But many boxes of cereal, especially ones that I've seen, have big letters and signs saying low fat, whole grain. They're marketing it to be more healthy towards the parents, but not to the kids. I mean, as a kid, I, <laughs> I probably didn't care about that. Healthier cereals are the ones marketed toward parents, and the unhealthy ones are marketed toward kids in the more like blatant advertisements. So kids are obviously going to be more inclined to choose the unhealthier option. Yeah, and frankly, I'm kind of scared for how like new cereals will be. Like when we were kids, it was like but chocolate inside of little cereal bits. That's awesome. But now they have stuff like Sour Patch Kids flavored cereal. 
that's something that it's probably going to go away at some point because people will be like, oh, this is probably disgusting. I'm not going to get this for my kid. And kids will try it and be like, oh, that's not a great taste. I don't like Sour Patch and milk. But I feel like the way that more unhealthy cereals are coming along, now they have, you know, like Twinkie cereal and like the donuts one. The future of cereal will be just a ton of super unhealthy uh, food, probably based off some sort of candy. I wouldn't be surprised if like Snickers came out with uh, the cereal, especially now they have like Reese's Puffs, whatever they're called. And I think that raises some concern, at least in my mind, as to whether or not in the future, if cereal will be that sort of go-to breakfast thing that gives you the nutrients for the day. And that makes me question if we really... At that point, we really need breakfast if it's just candy. You do bring up a good point about how cereals are becoming more blatantly unhealthy. Like, for example, like you said, the Twinkie cereal. And I know that uh, Little Debbie now has a Cosmic Brownie cereal. (laughs) But I think cereal has already established itself as, you know, not something you'd go to if you wanted a super filling and healthy breakfast. It's there for the convenience. And so despite ongoing health trends of being more healthy, I never really noticed a change. Of course, you have healthier breakfasts on the rise, like overnight oats and, you know, people eating more fruit and things like that. But cereal has just been cereal. And I've heard many times that breakfast is the most important meal of the day. I remember this campaign in my kindergarten, I think it was, where they were pushing kids to eat breakfast. They were like, if you don't eat breakfast, you're toast. And that kind of really got ingrained in my mind. Now that I think about it, and after doing a little bit of research, breakfast really isn't that important. It is good for you. It does have some benefits, but it really isn't the end of the world if you skip it. Historically, breakfast has been skipped unless you had a big day ahead of you. But obviously, if you're not hungry and you don't want to eat, then if you skip breakfast, it's not a big deal at all. And the importance of breakfast is definitely also something that cereal companies try to market toward consumers. And another thing that they tried to do was say over and over, that cereal is part of a balanced breakfast. The key word there is part of. Cereal itself doesn't fulfill all your nutritional needs. I know that nowadays some are fortified, but at the end of the day, they're still high in sugar, not too high in fiber, and just cooked refined wheat, sweetened or colored or whatever. Eating cereal alone isn't enough to replace a more healthy breakfast like eggs and fruits and things like that. Yeah, and as you said, cereal is a part of a balanced breakfast. It's not the only part. Another big part is, is fruit and vegetables. And cereal, unless you're eating like as like freeze-dried bananas or strawberries or anything, you're probably not getting that. So especially if you're eating like super sugary cereals like Frosted Flakes or Lucky Charms every morning, skipping breakfast probably would have the same health impact as having it. But there are benefits to eating breakfast. It does help you keep it the weight you are now or help you lose weight. But again, cereal isn't the thing that makes you do that. You have to have cereal and then probably some fruit on that. Maybe not even cereal, maybe just fruit or oatmeal or something. Right now, most people don't eat like the incredibly, incredibly sugary cereals on a daily basis. Those are hard to eat on a daily basis. Stuff like Honey Bunches of Oats and Special K are still relatively popular. 
But I think moving forward in the future of cereal, a very big concern will be whether or not new cereals will be able to give you the nutrients you need throughout the day. Well, you did say that, that eating breakfast does have benefits, like keeping you at your same weight. I think a big part of it is because it prevents you from snacking on other things throughout the day. But cereal itself has almost become as unhealthy as a snack. 816 million pounds of sugar is used on cereals annually, and on average, for major cereal companies, cereal has over 30% of your daily intake of sugar per serving. It definitely raises a concern, and I think that while although breakfast is a healthy thing to have, it's not when it's cereal, and the future of cereal definitely is if it can keep up with the demand for healthier and more fulfilling meals. Cereal growth has dropped each year before 2020, which is the year that people were stocking up on prepared food that can last for a while. But after now, when things are opening up, when people can go out to eat for breakfast, when people can eat healthier and have the opportunities to, I think it'll definitely go down again. Since the beginning of the evolution of cereal, Americans could not stop eating it. But although the cereal sold in stores now look nothing like they did then, cereal is still a staple of the American breakfast table thanks to its numerous marketing techniques. Even though it isn't as popular as before, it is a food that we think will endure for years to come thanks to its already popular reputation. But in the end, only time will tell the fate of this ever-evolving breakfast food, whether it be fortified whole grain wheat flakes or the cereal spin-off of double fudge brownies. Thank you for tuning in on this week's episode of Spoonable Standpoint. Don't forget to follow us on our Instagram at Spoonable underscore Standpoint for our latest updates, link to our website, and other bonus content. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to share. We release a new episode every other Friday, and we hope to see you there.